All right, take 27. Hey guys, what's up? I am Justin Geike, and this is Chase Outdoors, the podcast, episode three of season one. And uh, I kind of joking about the takes, but uh, I've been trying to do this podcast for like three days. Usually I want to do them on Sunday nights, you know, put my son to bed, go down into the Chase Outdoors man cave and knock this thing out so that we have it available to you Monday. But um, the topic of this week is the Wisconsin whitetail rut. And I was really hoping that uh, I was going to get a little bit more time in the woods on uh, Monday and Tuesday, which I did and try to, I guess, have a little bit more content, maybe uh, maybe a harvest to talk about and stuff like that. And uh, I don't. So yesterday morning, uh, heading out to the land, I tried to uh, do the podcast from the vehicle while driving. Uh, That didn't work out because, well, I've got ADD really bad. And then last night, I kid you not, I was uh, about halfway through uh, recording the podcast. I took a uh, break to take a drink and I fell asleep. So (laughs) I guess these uh, 3.30 in the morning uh, uprisings to uh, get out and chase white-tailed deer are uh, catching up with me a little bit. But things are good. I hope you guys are having a good week. Things are really... uh, hopping and busy here in the store obviously there's all this anticipation it's the peak of the rut um we've got the wisconsin rifle season coming up christmas is just right around the corner i mean there's just a ton going on a lot of guys getting scopes uh put on guns and mounts and bore sights and gallons of deer pee and uh we'll get into that here on another episode or maybe a little bit later but uh I really want to talk about the rut uh, this week, and uh, then next week we're going to talk about the uh, Wisconsin rifle season, some uh, tactics and preparation for that, and then uh, I promise we're going to get into ice fishing. It has been crazy, crazy cold around here, um, unseasonably early to get this much uh, cold and uh, ice, and there's people ice fishing all over, and to be honest with you, outside of uh, maybe opening weekend of rifle season, I don't remember in my life people being on the ice this early around here. I mean, it's mind-blowing. And it's not just those crazy people out on an inch or an inch and a half. But I mean, there's places where we're seeing, you know, four inches plus already up in the North Woods. It's just absolutely mind-blowing to me. And in this area is passionate about ice fishing. So there's a lot of people really excited about that. But um, the rut in the, uh, here in this area has been really, really good. Uh, it's been a really fascinating season for a lot of different reasons. And one of the things is just starting out, um, what a phenomenal pre-rut we had. And it really fa- fell into the calendar right that last week of October, where you're starting to see all these cruisers and new bucks show up. We had these nice cold temperatures and several cloudy days. I mean, everything was really lined up well, not to mention we were dealing with the new moon, which is always an excellent time to be out in the woods. Not only do you get those low light periods, but there's always a major with the moon in the middle of the day during that period. And that's something I want to talk about a little bit. Um, But I kind of personally got to miss out a little bit on this excellent pre-rut we had with uh, us going out to South Dakota. Um, I got back and had obviously a lot of catching up to do and and a lot of work. So I I had to uh, give my awesome staff uh, some time off once I got back because they carried the uh, load while I was gone and John as well. So appreciate them guys so much. But um, yeah, a lot of activity going on. Everything weather-wise and moon phase-wise and calendar-wise lined up really good. 
and I did pull my camera cards and it was crazy. I didn't have a ton of enthusiasm going into the beginning of this season because I just didn't have anything on camera. I own 30 acres northeast of town here and uh, my big bucks had just kind of disappeared. I had one nice 10 pointer on camera who I hadn't seen before. The, the two big ones that I wanted to chase last year that I got pictures of in January. I, had, I only got one picture of, of the big eight all, all summer long. So they've gone MIA. There's always the confidence because I'm in a good area. My neighbors have nice deer. Um, it's just, you know, at any given moment, those things can change. But I was a little discouraged. And obviously, we shifted our switch over to the youth hunt. Chase had an awesome uh, first time out and harvested two deer. I mean, just a lot going on. And I felt a little bit behind the eight ball. So we moved in to this incredible pre-rut that we had where people are seeing a lot of chasing and a lot of moving. So people are anticipating that the following week, it's just going to continue to get better. I'm talking this first, uh, you know, first 10 days in November. I mean, it's always the magic time. There's tons of chasing, typically tons of bring all this stuff. And I have heard nothing but a lot of complaining. There's a lot of people that have sat long periods of time that have really good properties that manage them well, that sat the entire week and just did not see uh, much for bucks. And to me, that's not an indication that that the rut's over. Um, and it's, you know, there's always these constant theories, you know, you see those first scrapes in early October and all oh, the ruts early. Uh, or you're, you have a couple bad days of sitting and you don't see anything. Oh, the rut's over. I saw does with fawns again. I guess for me, I, I don't jump that quick to those type of uh, conclusions. I generally think that the rut is primarily based on two things. Predominantly, uh, the estrus cycle is, is dominated by uh, photochromatic. So it's the shortening of the days is what triggers that. But there's all these other factors. It's not that the rut's done because you're not seeing anything in my opinion it's just because it's either happening somewhere else or happening at a different time of day and what we're dealing with right now right in the peak of the full moon is one of those major contributors i think we're in lockdown phase meaning that does are in estrus there are mature bucks that are with those does and that's why we're not seeing this massive amounts of high movement these bucks are locked down with a specific doe you know breeding her over a couple of day period and then getting up and moving on to the next to the next deer so it's not this non-stop movement you may see some smaller bucks cruising and looking you still might find that trophy buck that's in between does trying to to move on and find something else but really you want to shift your focus back to what those does are doing because those does dictate everything for movement with these bucks and one of the things that we deal with when we have a full moon is obviously we have a tremendous amount of nocturnal activity. And I think what that ha means is a lot of times these deer are bedded back down an hour before we're even getting into the woods. So I think it alleviates some of that pressure to make sure that you're out there so crazy early. And I will also back that up with the key is being in the woods as much as you can. But if you're pounding away at it and you've got some things to take care of in the morning and you've only got two hours and those hours are 10 a.m. till noon, I still think you should get out there. So I'm not saying don't get in the woods. I'm just saying the other times that you typically aren't in the stand are probably more productive and more capable than they are at other times of year. 
So I pay a ton of attention to moon phases. I have so much trust in the majors and the minors, not just for deer, but fish, you know, walleyes, muskies, it doesn't matter. The moon is a absolute legitimate real deal thing. And one of the things that we're dealing with when we're talking about the full moon period what we have right now is there is a ton of midday activity. I mean, yesterday it was, I believe, like noon to two. And I sat in the morning because unfortunately, um, you know, I had to work, so I, I couldn't just do an all-day sit like I'd like to. So I'm at the mercy of the time I have available. So yesterday I sit, I get in about 5.30, I get out about uh, 10 o'clock, and I saw absolutely nothing. And it's one of the first times that I haven't seen anything um, pretty much all year. I've been bumping deer walking in, I've been bumping deer walking out, I've been seeing them when I'm parking the truck, you know, I've been constantly around deer, but it just makes sense. There's nothing going on. Those deer are bedded down already. It was extremely cold. Um, the woods were extremely loud. And that's, a, that's another thing that we have to take into consideration. Anytime, but especially during the rut, you've got to take a mindset that your hunt starts from the moment you approach the property. And I mean that in a couple different ways. One thing is I've really tried to streamline how quickly I get park the vehicle, get out of the vehicle and get away from it. I think the more time you spend with your vehicle, grabbing your grunt tube, grabbing your can is the more time your dome lights on in the morning, more opportunity for you to close doors and bang on door. You know, I just, I really like to park, shut it off, grab my stuff, get away from it. Uh, I just, it's just a mental thing. Um, I think it's part of what helps contribute. But the other thing is the quicker you get away from the vehicle, the quicker you can get your mindset into it's hunting time. And I think too often we let the distractions of our life fill our mind until we get up into the tree stand. I think it's so important that as soon as you hit the lock button on that truck, every step you take is a hunting step, not a travel step. You know, cause those deer, especially now it's so stinking cold out. There's been very, very little wind. And because of that, it's extremely noisy. You know, I, it's basically, you know, you got that skim ice on top of a wet swamp and every time you step, it sounds like an explosion at a glass factory. I mean, it's, it is just, it is tough right now to be quiet, but these animals are used to that. It's their environment. So I always say, give yourself an extra 15 minutes, take a step, stop, wait, let those feet settle, take a step, just move slow so that you sound like if at all possible, another deer moving or a grouse walking by or a turkey. I mean, there's, there's going to be some noise in the woods at almost all times with other game walking around. But if you go trouncing through like a Brahma bull on a mission to conquer Normandy, like it's just gonna, you're gonna go, man, I wonder why I didn't see anything. And one thing I've noticed is with taking that and also paying attention to wind, I've been bumping deer walking in and walking out. And that's a really great thing. And a lot of times the wind is in my favor when I'm bumping those deer. I'm getting within 40, 50 yards and some thick cover from them. And a lot of times I'm just pushing them, bumping them a little bit, rather than them having to go and avoid me and I never even get close enough to see them. Like a lot of times they like, I get close, they bounce a little bit, they get away, I slip in, and I really don't think that they're that spooked. Um, except for last Friday. So last Friday I get in the woods and my dad's from Arkansas. I don't know if this is the problem. I've got some miserable, miserable feet when it comes to trying to keep them warm. 
I've got poor circulation. I don't know if that's related to all my back issues. I, I, I just, I sweat like crazy with my feet. It's always been a problem for me and it's just getting progressively worse. So I'm up in the stand planning on sitting all day. I have some does come out that kind of look like they're being pushed. I thought I heard a grunt. I thought the buck and back was this little Francisco spike buck that I saw. Half an hour later, I can't take it anymore. I get out of the stand. I take two steps and 40 to tops, 50 yards away, one of my target bucks stands up, takes one look at me, and is in the next county so fast I can't blink. I mean, I boogered him. And you want to talk about somebody who preaches about taking their time, being well-equipped, and preparing. Oh, was I upset with myself. I have all the equipment in the world for an all-day sit. I've got the best clothing. I've got good footwear. I've got all this stuff. The one thing that I forget is the 99-cent toasty toes, those stinking toe warmers. And why I didn't have those packed in my pack rather than in the tote is what really cost me, maybe not killing that buck, but maybe but it certainly would have avoided for 99 cents, would have avoided scaring that buck off of the property and maybe put myself in a position to kill. So, so mad. And that's why I think you've really gotta essentially create a system so that you're constantly making the appropriate steps and not forgetting things. I don't laminate a list and go off and check it off. I don't know, but that was such a simple thing that could have been avoided. So. So far, things I want to talk to you about. Obviously, playing the wind, paying attention to the moon phase is a huge thing. I think a lot of times, guys are sitting morning and night, and they're not realizing that all of the activities happening right in the middle of the day. And the trail cams for us have shown that. You know, we've got shooter bucks up on their feet at noon and just haven't been able to get in and get after them from that standpoint. But uh, the other thing is to create a plan, get out of the vehicle efficiently and quickly take your time getting into your stand and sit as much as humanly possible. So all pretty elementary things. Now where I get a lot of my information for the wind direction and for the moon phase is the hunt stand app. And when you're done listening to me babble, download that app. It is awesome. I don't sell it. I don't use their premium package. I'm not affiliated with them. It's just, it's a really great product. Andy that works for a company uh, turned me on to it and it's been awesome. One of the things it does is an aerial photograph or image of your property, drop a pin where your stand is, and it'll show you not only the current prevailing winds, but estimated out to 72 hours ahead of time. And it is crazy accurate. It shows where the wind will be when you're there, where it was and where it's gonna be. Really makes planning awesome. And the other side of it too, is just being in a position where you can watch those moon phases. There's some really nice uh, editing tools on there. And that's my shtick for the people of whom I don't know at HuntStand. Hats off, it's a great app and it's free. Um, the Next thing I want to talk about is some of the stuff that's going on in the store, some of the products that people are buying, some of the things that people love using for the rut. And one of the most common things that I think people are coming in and looking for, having debates over, is the topic of deer pee. And that is a, that is a camp of popularity just like a sports team, it seems like. You know, there's, there's guys that love the, the old traditional stuff. There's guys that are all about the new stuff. There's guys about what's the freshest stuff or whether you're going gel or not. So what's my take on deer pee? 
Um, obviously, right now, I believe in Deer Pea. I have used it. I've used scents. I've had success with them at all times of year. I've had success um, not only with bucks, but also does with some of the gland scents. Um, I've, I've, uh, some of the cover scents have worked for me. I, I'm, there's some guys that don't like them. I, per, for one, am not one of those people that don't like them. I think it's a, any scent of urine, I think is a great cover scent and can potentially be an attractant. But what I look for when I purchase urine is this. I don't like junk. And what I mean by that is I don't like the 399 big box bottle of stuff that's a bunch of different deer that sat in a bottle for two years and you pour it out and it is black as night and smells like a corpse. And that's funny because when I first started using those scents as a young as a young guy, like that's all I thought deer pee was. I mean, I thought when a deer peed, it looked like motor oil and it stunk like death, you know, because that's what everything was that came out of a bottle. Now we know obviously that that's not true. Deer pee, yellow just like you and I, and it smells to us pretty much the same, not like death. But here's something that I would challenge you to maybe or maybe not do. And if you do what I'm about to say, I would suggest that you were either A, a bachelor, or B, you had multiple bathrooms in your home in which nobody else ever used one. Um, I would say that, um, yeah, I have personal experience. I'm just going to say it. Don't judge me. <laughs> it's true. So uh, I get up in the middle of the night and I've got to, and I got to pee one night and I go into my bathroom and I do my job and this is disgusting. So I apologize. If you don't like it, plug your ears for the next three minutes. So I go and I do my duty, go and pee and I don't flush because it's the middle of the night and I'm trying to be courteous to my spouse. And, uh, you know, my wife, God bless her. She's, you know, she deserves her night's sleep. She puts her work in. But uh, next morning, uh, we pack up, we leave, and uh, we go enjoy a weekend out of town, and we come back. So not all that abnormal of a thing. So anyway, I'm going to cut to the chase. I walk into my bathroom, and luckily it's mine, you know, quote, unquote, my bathroom. I'm the only one who uses it. I walk in, and I forgot. And from that, sitting there for a couple of days, it smelled in there. And the immediate smell that I recognized was, oh, my gosh, this smells like cheap estrus <laughs> deer urine. It did. It smelled like just old urine. And that kind of dawned on me is why some of this really fresh from the bladder stuff doesn't smell and some of this cheaper stuff does smell. It's not so much that that's what estrus smells like. Now that's just kind of our experience with it. It's the fact that it's just aged and it's been contaminated by oxygen and it's worn out and that's, and that's the deal. So I know it's a little gross, but you know, it's science. Um, but that kind of dawned on me that, uh, that that's why I became an advocate for high quality, fresh estrus urine is because obviously there was a dramatic difference between the smell and the color between new stuff and old stuff. So I've been using the newer, higher quality blended, you know, stuff. Um, I, WEGS has been monstrously popular here locally because it's collected from deer uh, within a couple of hours of here. It goes into a bottle. It goes into a refrigerator. It, it's, so it is like 
super, super fresh, and it gets to us quick, and it's well cared for, and, and Nick at Wags, great guy, great product. We sell boatloads, boatloads of that stuff, and, um, and I like it a lot. And another product that I've used that I really, really like is uh, the, the original guy from Code Blue started Top Secret Sense. And he's a trip, man. Like, <laughs> if you have the opportunity to meet him, you just sit back and enjoy the ride. But um, the top secret hot mama is a really cool deal because he's got a patent process that gets the urine from the bladder to the bottle without oxygen touching it. It's oxygen that turns the urine from yellow to motor oil and creates that smell. So that's why when you buy a bottle from him, it's in that bottle, looks like a little Tabasco sauce, three ounce dripper, and, and that is yellow. What's really cool is when you buy that product, you open it up, you go out and use it, a couple days later, everything in that bottle is now brown. That just goes to show the purity and the oxygen free from collection to bottle that makes that a premium product if we're talking liquids. And those two are really at the top of my list as far as deer estrus urine products, okay? Um, I, I, I think a lot about both of those. I've had success with both of them, but here's the thing. If you spend 15 bucks on a three ounce bottle of pee, you open it up, you use it once, and two days later, it turns brown. Are you like, well, I just wasted this entire bottle because it's not good anymore? My answer to that is absolutely not. And the purpose behind my opinion on that and why I think at least somewhat recently exposed oxygenated urine or even some of the older stuff, why I believe some of these cheaper brands from time to time work, it's because I think about the structure of the scent of a deer on its own and with its tarsal glands. So what I'm thinking about is the fact that not only when a deer walks by that's an estrus or a buck, if we're just talking buck urine stuff, only smells like fresh pee, that's not true. They've been peeing on those glands for several days. If you smell a tarsal gland, it smells estrusy or strong or you know rotten pee type of old pee. You know, so I think that you're getting complexity in the scents that are coming through. So I, I guess I don't mind the diversity of fresh and older urine for that purpose of building, I guess, a complexity in scent. So I don't worry about if it's a couple of days old. I don't want stuff that's two years old, but when I'm trying to structure my opinion and, and be truthful and fair, I, at the end of the day, I like maybe having separate bottles and smelling like different deer or just the important thing is that it's fresh but it doesn't have to be the perfect freshness because i think there's a benefit to getting a little bit of that you know old pea stank going on if you would another product that i really like is the gel product and specifically from james valley you know they're kind of the og a premium since they've been building their gels with tarsal and there's just a ton of complexities in their in their scent product the thing i also like is because it's a gel you're not you know wrecking it oxygen wise from the layer it's kind of locking everything out of it um, it holds it doesn't freeze as bad it sticks to sticks well like that is an awesome product too so does it always work the answer is absolutely not. I can't tell you how many times I've had deer walk past scent wicks and things like that and just completely ignored them. But there's no doubt that the deer smell them. Like they can smell pretty much everything. 
But I think that if you take, um, you know, I guess this would also fall into the nose jammer discussion too. If you're at a bar and it smells like nothing but dirty construction guys and you have a girl walk in with perfume on, the only thing you can smell is the perfume, right? Like it just kind of overtakes your senses and puts your mind and your focus on that. And that's a big thing that I think about when I'm talking about deer scent. Even if a buck doesn't come in, nose down to my drag to, to, to come to my scent wick and I kill it, if it, in the area and its mind is focused on that urine, it's still a win because it's one thing to take this focus away from me. And I think that in itself is worth the price that you pay for it. So that's just kind of my you know, shtick on, on deer pee there. The other thing is calling, you know, there's just, man, I don't know if there's a deer in North America that hasn't heard that can tip over. And there are guys and gals that have shot countless deer with the old flip of the can or the smash of the rattling antlers or the blow of the grunt tube. And I have, I have called plenty of deer in and I've had good success on it, but do I call? only sometimes and I find myself calling less and less all the time do I bring them along yes I want that arsenal with me at all times I think there's a lot of benefits to it but when do I call the reason I call less and less all the time is this I have not had that much success with rattling antlers in Wisconsin now I find myself if I go down to southern states, Oklahoma, Kansas, you know, even the western states like the Dakotas, I've found myself to have a lot more success. And I think part of the reason that is is just Wisconsin's incredible deer density. Like we have so many deer in such a small area that I don't know if there's quite as much of that response just because it's not like there's a shortage of does and there's not a shortage of space and habitat. Um, and it's not that I haven't had success with it. It's just not enough to the point where I think that I am at a higher percentage of benefiting myself rather than hurting myself. Because what does that rattling do? It does potentially scare a deer away that even might be dominant and just be like, I don't wanna deal with this right now. He might be with his doe, he might try to get away with the dough from that, that dough itself might not like the fact that that's going on and want to pick up and move out of the area. The other thing is it just puts a pin on where you're located. I mean, if, if you don't think that a deer can identify within yards of where you're located based off of the noise that you make, even if it can't see, you got, you got another thing coming. And they're better at coming in quietly sometimes than you are at seeing. And next thing you know, you make a movement, turn your head too fast, and that deer's looking for you and gets you pinned. You know, anytime a deer hears noise and moves into an area, same thing with turkeys, they expect to see something. And if they don't see anything, they're not just gonna run around looking a lot of times, they're gonna just stop and scan and evaluate, and that's how they stay alive. The other thing too with grunting is I do like grunting, but I don't, uh, I don't do that much of it. Why? I don't want to really mess things up. I think that choosing a good location, choosing a good stand, and being in your seat quietly is the best thing that you can do. I would rather a deer not know I'm there than risk it knowing where I'm at and being able to make the determination of whether it wants to deal with me or not, whether it believes in me or not. 
And as much as I like the can, I think there's a lot of value to it. Where I believe that the can or the bleat call, um, actually Dual makes a really nice bleat call that's, that you don't flip over. And sometimes I kind of like that idea because it's like, what deer hasn't heard a can? But I think the benefit to the can um, or the bleak call is that uh, you're not going to scare your does away. Sometimes you can actually attract your does uh, with that. It's certainly a high level of curiosity. I think it carries well in, in calm and cool. Um, also, too, I think it's great for changing the course or stopping or spiking the curiosity of a cruising buck. You know, I think that this time of year, especially, a buck would rather go find a doe than go pick a fight with somebody else. Like, their whole purpose is the doe. It's not fighting the other bucks at this point. You know, maybe early in the season when they're even opening weekend, when they're sparring and jockeying for position or, you know, changing that social dynamic, maybe some of the pre-rut type stuff where there's, to me, a bigger benefit than you're going to get out of it right now. So... I find myself, the older I get, spending less time on the calls and being more selective of when I'm using them. Um, excuse me here just a second while I sip my coffee. We are not the most professional thing ever. But uh, just a lot of things. You know, I think go back to put yourself in the best position you can. Be equipped with the stuff that you're using. Get as much time in the stand as you're going to. I think right now, here we are, it's November 13th, we are looking at the peak of the estrus cycle. That's not necessarily the peak of the deer movement, but the estrus cycle itself. Keep in mind, look at the calendar, 28 days from now is going to be that secondary rut. And that's a real thing, and it's really something that a ton of people miss out. But there's a lot less inventory for those bucks when we're talking about the quantity of deer that go into estrus, especially here in Wisconsin where we have such a high doe population or imbalanced doe to buck ratios going on there's certainly going to be does in your area that weren't bred and boy some especially those you know yearlings you know the first time estrus cycle i found um, a lot of times it's them uh, it can really turn into an exceptional uh, secondary rut i have had um, plenty of you know situations opportunities sure go ahead and use the scent again um, i've seen bucks fighting you know and I think a couple years ago it was December 21st-ish. Uh, I had bucks just kicking the crud out of each other over this one doe on camera. It was an hour and a half spectacle of, of buck behavior. It was just, it was awesome to see. I wish I would have been there. But um, make sure you're focused on that. The other thing is too, is just noise, 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 and high levels of comfort. The best thing you can do is make sure that you're in the stand for as long as you can be. And a big part of doing that is keeping yourself warm and comfortable. Things to look at in your clothing are going to be look for windproof in your products. You know, Predator has got a Primo Loft windproof DWR finished garment. Sitka has been extremely popular with their Fanatic series. It's expensive, but it's worth it if you're in a ground blind. Don't forget about heaters. Make sure that you've got one that doesn't give off a lot of scent and it's quiet. Um, boot blankets and, and hand warmers and hand muffs and layer insulation. Make sure you're going in with your outer jacket on the back of your pack rather than on your body so you're not getting sweated up. But really make sure you're spending some time and looking at the entirety of the gear. The other thing is noise. The colder it gets, the less wind that we have, the louder everything's going to be. Take your time, 
be quieter getting back in the woods. And hopefully you could take advantage of this next week, take advantage of that secondary rut, take advantage of the rifle season and become just the epitome of hunting success. Hey, if you have any questions, any comments, anything that can stop, make my feet stop sweating, uh, comment below. Appreciate you guys following us. It's the whole reason we do it. Try to give an opportunity to help you guys be entertained and have more success in the field. Be sure to check out our website. we got a lot of change coming up. we got a new app being developed right now, which is really cool. We're putting that together. It's a work in progress, as is the new revamp on the site, but chase-outdoors.com. You know, God bless you guys. Good luck in the water. I forget on the lake, the frozen lake. Good luck in the woods, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.